Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey everybody, this is Evan Lazar and welcome to the Patriots Beat Podcast powered by the CLNS Media Podcast Network. I'm very excited to be joined today by Mike DeSole of Patriots.com. Mike, I've been trying to get you on the show for a long time, so I'm glad we finally are doing this. You are in the parking lot of Gillette Stadium <laughs> right now. You know he's dedicated, folks. He just picked up, you know, he never hit the walls of Gillette Stadium. I'm just camped out, waiting to see what happens, if anyone's coming in, injured Patriots, traded Patriots, whatever whatever it may be. Yeah, where's Devin Asiasi? Maybe <laughs> he's got a cast on or something like that. Just a I, gotta get my, I know, i got to get my binoculars out. I'm searching here. <laughs> We're only kidding, folks. We're only kidding. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I'm just sitting here waiting to find out who our next president is going to be. But this is a football show, so we're going to talk <laughs> football and not politics. But, uh, Mike, I want to start with the trade deadline. Obviously, the NFL trade deadline can be really hit or miss. This was this was a miss year, of course, and I think a lot of factors played into it. But my first question to you is just, are you surprised at the, at the lack of movement on the Patriots side of things? Really no traction whatsoever on any Stephon Gilmore. Joe Tooney obviously stays put, and the Patriots look like they're going to try to compete here for the next nine games. Yeah, I mean, I'm not totally surprised. I mean, I think that obviously there was a lot of buzz about Gilmore, um, you know, having another year on his deal. I, I mean, I think they've been trying to move him. And if they haven't gotten a deal to this point that to their liking, I, mean, I know Diana Rossini reported they were looking for a first and a player, which I, I would have been fine with. Um, but, you know, apparently it's like he's sticking around. Um, you know, the guys that they did add, I, I kind of feel like that's what they do. You know, they, they don't add the big name guys. They definitely needed, um, you know, making the trade for Ford obviously fills fills a depth spot that they needed and, and the defensive tackle as well, the other Isaiah. Um, so they filled some holes depth wise, but glad that, you know, they're at least able to get a guy that, that they can control the rights to next year. Right. And I think with Gilmore, what we're seeing with just veterans across the board in the league right now is a lot of hesitancy to take on guys that have term next year without knowing exactly what the salary cap situation is going to be with COVID. So basically, you know, the only guy that came even close to moving that had any sort of uh, money on his contract is Will Fuller, and they couldn't agree to terms in Green Bay with Green Bay and Houston because of all the extenuating circumstances. What's the cap going to be next year? Uh, draft picks as a result of the, of the sinking cap are going skyrocketing up in value. So they couldn't really get to an agreement there. I think the Patriots were so far apart with anybody that they talked to on Gilmore that it really wasn't much discussion. I mean, Belichick said this morning – 
that he wasn't aware of any sort of real advanced talks, and I think he was actually telling the truth. I, I don't think there was really any calls on Gilmore that were extremely worth, you know, Belichick mentioned that Casario kind of knocks on his door when he's got a deal that maybe is worth talking about, and I, I don't think that knocking on his door every time yesterday about Stephon Gilmore. So he stays put. I, I want to talk to you, though, about, you know, they're, they're two and five. Uh, they didn't sell off any. There was no fire sale. They didn't sell off any pieces. Uh, do you are, are you happy that they're actually going to try to make this a season and, and make a run maybe at like a seventh playoff spot? Or, or do you feel like that's sort of NFL purgatory? Because I, I, yeah. I kind of lean the latter. Yeah, I know. That's what we've kind of discovered this year. It's like fear of the middle. Everybody'd rather be two wins or fourteen wins, but you know, don't get don't go seven wins. Like, don't go eight wins. That's terrible. Um, you know, I, I don't know. I mean, it's are they going to go for it? Or are they just going to kind of grind it out with what they have? I mean, I, I think that's kind of how I look at it. Um, you know, they they did have some assets in Tooney and Gilmore, and I still think that that probably both those guys are, are gone next year. Um, certainly Tooney. Um, but you know, I think that they've got pieces, this is where they are. You know, we heard those comments earlier this week from Belichick and, you know, I, I get it. I, I know that a lot of the, the misses in the draft are, are really what would have hurt them up to this point. Um, but you know, going into the season, if you, if you kind of started just looking at it in a bubble, going back to March, you know, what, what more could they have really done to salvage the season to really, you know, make them a, a contender? So, you know, I'm not sure how it's all going to end up. I think what we saw last week was a team that, that had some fight again, which we didn't really see for a couple of weeks. So it was nice to see them kind of stick in the game, especially when they, you know, were getting run all over again. And there were certainly moments where it was, you know, just, oh, man, this looks just like it did last week. But I thought that they bounced back well. It's just you can't get by the 2-5 and five record, unfortunately. No matter how many close games they've had, you are what you are, and, and they're 2-5 and five right now. But, yeah, maybe they get a win this weekend against the Jets. I mean, maybe, hopefully, um, and they get back on track a little bit. Yeah, let's talk about the Jets in a little bit. But I think what's crazy to me is maybe it's not crazy, but it's just it's just a little bit you know, to think about is that with Bill Belichick as your head coach, with the fact that they can run the ball so effectively offensively, they're pretty good still against defending the pass on defense. They have enough here to actually make some noise and actually make this interesting and compete throughout the rest of the season, especially with the back half of their schedule being what it is. It's a little bit easier as we go through these last nine games as it was in the first seven. So you got two against the Jets. You got two more against the AFC East. You know, one, you beat Miami in week one, and then you only lose to uh, Buffalo by three in Buffalo. So you got to think that that's going to be another close game here at Gillette at the end of the season. So all of a sudden, it's it looks like if they can run the table in the division, well, there's four wins right there. You throw in a game against Houston. You throw in a game against a rookie quarterback with the Chargers and Justin Herbert. And all of a sudden, you are looking Whoa. at this, and you could see a 6-3, and 5-4 and four type of back half. And maybe that does make it interesting in Week 16 and 17 with the expanded playoffs. And again, I, I don't know if that's what they should should be doing in terms of the long-term interest of the franchise. I, I don't know if that's a little bit of ego getting in there a, a little bit too for Bill Belichick, or he does, says, I'm not going four and 12. You know, I, I don't, I don't really care what the record says, but I'm not going four and 12. But I, I think that that's kind of where we're at right now, where, they didn't sell off any pieces. They can still trade Gilmore in the offseason, certainly. And I think that's a really good possibility that we revisit this entire thing in the draft and, and maybe March, April, that time of year. And we start to hear a lot more about a Stefan Gilmore trade at that point where it makes a little bit more sense once we see what the landscape of the league is like. I, I want to ask you about Isaiah Ford. Obviously, yeah. you know, it's not, not Julio Jones. It's, it's not Adam Thielen. Uh, it's, it's not even Kenny Galladay. <laughs> 
but <laughs> at the same time, it's a player at a position of need, and I think he did some things nicely in that Chad O'Shea offense last year with the Dolphins. Certainly, Week 17 against the Patriots was one of his better games. So he can do some things in your offense. You've seen him play in your system at the NFL level, and he's done it at least at a respectable type of production. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's it's kind of that classic Belichick move where, uh, you know, somebody played well against him last year, and then now he, he feels like he needs to go out and get somebody. I mean, honestly, I found myself being like, maybe we should have done something like this rather than Mohamed Sanu last year, you know, where right. I, I don't really see a whole heck of a lot of difference in their games. But, um, you know, from from what I've seen and watching, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a need. I mean, there's no question after Harry got hurt and Edelman got hurt, you need some inside guys. Uh, I think, you know, the comp that's going around is he's kind of like Jacoby Myers. And, you know, I, I see a lot of that, too, to 6'2". And, you know, a lot of a lot of the same routes you see out of out of Jacoby, the crossers, the quicking cuts, that kind of stuff. Um, you know, I, I even noticed I, I went back and was watching this morning throwing, trying to throw a pass against the Patriots there for a second yeah. before he tucked it and run. So, you know, all that stuff, it seems like it, it pings the Belichick radar a little bit. And, uh, you know, I, I it's it's classic them. You know, it's it's the kind of value guy that they they can get. Um, like you said, he has some experience maybe with the terminology and, and is may, hopefully able to kind of assimilate. We heard, you know, Mohamed Sanu's experience was so great with all that. So hopefully that that helps Isaiah a little bit. Um, it's it's a move they kind of had to make. I mean, I don't think Gunnar Olszewski's ready to, you know, really take a full-time role in this offense. So I like it. We'll see. You know, he's not going to be able to get in this week, so we'll have to wait another week to get him in. But again, like I said, being a restricted free agent, they have some ability to control his rights. And that was everything to me at the trade deadline. It's like, I don't really care who you move. I just, anything you get, I want assets for next year. I want players who, you know, could be around next year that they can control because, you know, this is, this is going to be a couple year rebuild for them to get back to the level where they've usually been at and, and they need these bodies right now. So good experience. We'll see how he does uh, next week when he gets here. Yeah, it's a rare in, interdivision trade, but when you yeah. look at the trade, it actually makes a little bit of sense because Miami has a log jam at receiver. They got plenty of bodies there, especially in the slot. So they move Isaiah Ford, who really wasn't going to play much for them. For the Patriots, I think he's going to play a, a lot more than he would have played for the Dolphins. And you mentioned, you know, kind of like a Sanu comp or a Jacoby Myers comp. I think the one thing that stood out about him that, that is intriguing as last week against Buffalo with Demir Bird out there and Jacoby and Gunner, there just wasn't anybody with any sort of dog in him or any fight yeah. or any sure. real like ability to battle at the catch point with somebody. It was kind of like everything was sort of catch and go down. And, you know, there's a lot of that going on. Not to say that those guys aren't tough or willing to go over the middle or anything like that, because they certainly do, but they're not they're not those alpha, like, I'm going to win. I'm just going to win at this catch point right now. Yeah. I'm going to out-battle you and out-muscle you there. And I think Isaiah Ford can do that a little bit and does offer some of that skill set. I, I think that's a great point. And, uh, you know, some of, some of the other catches you see are some contested down-the-sideline catches that he's made over the years. So, yeah, absolutely. And, and I agree. You know, it's kind of like why I wasn't really a big Philip Dorsett fan. You know, it's just where are those guys that, that, that catch the ball and make a move and make a play? You know, I just that, that's been missing – Unfortunately, Nikhil Harry well talked about, you know, it's and it was just nice to see Jacoby Myers. I think you're right. I mean, it's it's great to see him developing and, you know, really seems like just mentally he just seems a lot more alert within the offense, knowing where the holes in the zones are, how to get to them. You know, he's not going to wow anybody, like you said, with his physicality or his speed. But I think his development mentally is, is really shown out in the last couple of games. So hopefully they can put those three guys together and, and put something together that, that can continue you know, to be effective, they, they certainly need to improve the passing game. They made a few strides last week, but hopefully Ford will help things along a little bit. 
Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's, uh, you know, really interesting to look at how this whole landscape is going to shake out at their skill position players once they do start to get people back healthy. We haven't really talked a lot on our channel about Sony Michelle returning yet, but Sony is now eligible to come off IR, I believe, this week. And what's going to happen with him and Damian Harris in the backfield and how are they going to break up those snap counts? And I think a lot of people just instantly are like, well, Damian Harris is the better player. We're going to let him run, right? But if you went back to that Vegas Raiders game, Sony Michelle had, what, nine carries for 120 yards or something like that? And that was his best game probably since, you know, maybe his rookie season. I would say just running the football. How do you see that shaking out? Do you see Damian Harris taking the lead back role and, and or I guess, holding it now that Sony is probably going to come back? It's a great question. I mean, it's it's going to be a tough one for Josh McDaniels. I mean, I don't know how you felt, but, you know, after, uh, you know, we got in camp and we were watching Harris kind of run for a few days and he looked pretty good. And then and then all of a sudden Michelle showed up and I was like, I think Michelle looks faster and better than Damian Harris. Yeah. I was kind of surprised, like, you know, to, to, to say that. But, um, you know, I, I think Sony's had his moments. I, it's 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 going to be difficult. I mean, I think that they, they there might be a spot for both of them. Um, you know, I think they like Rex in that kind of change of pace role. You know, they bring him in in the second quarter. It's just, you know, and James White is is that, you know, receiving back that we all know him as. So it's a good question. I think Damian Harris, though, has done enough. I'd, I'd love to see him get a few more carries. I mean, I think he had 11 last week, a big gap kind of in the middle of the game. Um, you know, hearing Josh talk about him yesterday, of, you know, picking up secondary pressures and, you know, in the pass blocking, we know how, how hard that is for young running backs. So, you know, I, I, saw, I thought that stood out kind of as a compliment from Josh that, you know, he's really earning, er, earning their trust and, you know, on all downs. So I, I'm excited about Damian. I don't want to take anything away from Sony. I know he's, you know, been on IR. He just got off the COVID list as well. So he's been going through a rough month. Yeah. Um, so hopefully they'll have some options. I mean, I just, I don't think there's any question what the strength of this team is and the more depth that they can have at running back. I'm, I'm sure they can figure out some kind of rotation, but I, right now I'd love to just continue to kind of ride Damian and see where he can go instead of, you know, all right, Damian, now you're only going to get three carries this week or five carries, you know, kind of stunt his development a little bit. I, I don't know. I, I'd like to go there, but I certainly think that Sony Michelle is certainly, you know, everybody loves to, to rag on him, but I, I think he still has something to give. Yeah, I think the blitz pickup thing is really key because that's what teams are doing against them a lot lately is uh, Buffalo blitzed them 13 times last week and Cam's uh, passing yards per attempt against the blitz is only about five right now. They're struggling, whereas against not against the blitz, I have the split right now actually in front of me. It's 8.5 without the blitz yards per attempt, 5.5 against the blitz. Now, obviously, when a team blitzes you, yards per attempt is going to go down because you're going to get the ball out quickly to try to avoid getting hit or getting sacked. But at the same time, that takes repetitions. It takes practice time. That takes everybody being on the same wavelength. And on top of that, if you start blitzing that safety, that weak side safety, then he starts to insert himself against the run. So then if it's a running play, he's right in the backfield too to stop that. So that free blitzer and getting that guy through the line of scrimmage has been a big part of what teams have been doing against the Patriots in recent weeks. So to hear them say that they like what Damian Harris has given them in that regard is a good sign, I think, moving forward, because I I think that's going to just continue more and more and more. And as we get into sort of a Jets preview here, Greg Williams is somebody that will come after you if that's a weakness of yours. So I think we're going to see a ton of that from the Jets this week, as we did against Buffalo. So that's the biggest concern that I have right now about this offense is that, you know, it doesn't happen all the time. I think 
sometimes the broadcast last week, they kind of showed that bird's eye view of 10 guys within five yards of the line of scrimmage. Buffalo wasn't doing that the entire game, right? They yeah. did it in spurts, but wasn't the entire game. But the one thing that they did do a ton of was blitzing. And whether it was off the ball linebackers blitzing or safety and DB blitzes, that was becoming sort of the MO against the Patriots is that because they have had so little practice time together, because Cam Newton is new to the offense, because they have so many new pass catchers around him, they're not on the same wavelength to throw hot against the against a zero blitz or to be on the same kind of wavelength there. And uh, that's, I think, going to continue a lot more moving forward. And uh, we'll get into Greg Williams and the Jets after we take a quick break to shout out our friends at betonline.ag. NFL football continues on this week, which has a few surprise teams at the top of the standings. And you might not be at the game this year, but you can still be in on the action at BetOnline. No matter how schedules change or players that play, BetOnline is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on every game this season with the fastest updated odds in the industry. There are always more options to wager than anywhere online. Head to BetOnline today and take advantage of all the great midseason bonuses, offers, and contests. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. Okay, I'm back here with my guest, Mike DeSalt of Patriots.com, and we are going to preview the Patriots against the Jets now on Monday Night Football, and it's hard to believe that I'm even saying that this is remotely going to be a football game. The Jets, of course, are 0-8. They're clearly one of the worst teams in the NFL. They're going to be in the Trevor Lawrence sweepstakes for the rest of the season. So I think the question really is, though, is are the Jets just completely tanked, you know, and we have nothing to worry about here? Or are they going to try to make a game of this against the Patriots? I think in Adam Gase's case, he probably doesn't really care if they drafted the top <laughs> of the first round next uh, right. next April because he might not be the head coach of the New York Jets by that point. Yeah, I mean, at this point, you know, given what we've seen now, the Patriots, it's hard to, like, you know, have these sudden expectations that they're, oh, the Jets are, haven't won a game yet. We're going to go roll over them. And, you know, as you mentioned, I mean, Greg Williams, I think his defense is always something serious that you got to deal with. And, you know, if there is one, I think, strength of the Jets defense, it's their run defense. And, you know, as you pointed out very well, you know, teams are, are keying off that. And it's for good reason. That's what makes the Patriots offense go. If they can't get the play action going, uh, you know, I think they're in trouble. So I think that this is a, a dicey matchup. You know, uh, of course, on the other side of the ball, you, you do have a Jets, you know, offense that just such a weird kind of performance last week where they, they kind of looked effective in the first half and then they did absolutely nothing in the second half. Um, so you wonder what their headspace is going to be. We all know, uh, you know, Sam Darnold seeing ghosts last year. Uh, he's not seeing any ghosts this year uh, from the Patriots defense. But, you know, I, 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 I mean, I when I started writing about the Patriots, what's always drawn them, you know, drawn me to analyzing football has been defense. And, you know, I look at this Patriots defense, some of the inconsistencies that they've shown, especially in the run game, you know, it's you got 85-year-old Frank Gore coming to town, uh, and it's still a concern, you know, and especially we don't know what Lawrence Guy's situation is. They brought in Carl Davis. He got a concussion. Uh, you know, they're, they're trying to sign another, you know, guy from Tennessee. that He's going to be out for another week. So I think there's just huge questions about the Patriots' front. And as bad as the, as the Jets have been, certainly their passing offense has been terrible. But, you know, if the Jets can get Frank Gore going, if they can get P. Ryan going, those guys, I mean, we, you know, nobody was fearing Buffalo's rushing attack last week, and, and look what they did. So I think that that's, that's kind of where the game is for me. It's, it's, it's all about the two run games. And, you know, I, I'm, I'm hoping that the Patriots can show some progress in their passing game, but I think Greg Williams is going to make it real tough on them. 
Yeah, that's a good point about pointing out that Isaiah Ford and uh, Isaiah Mack are both going to have to go through COVID protocols, so they're not going to be in this game this week. It won't be until uh, the week after against Baltimore that they'll be able to get in there. But Greg Williams scares me, and the reason being is because he's a very aggressive defensive coordinator. We know that, and he'll dial up the blitz, and he'll come after Cam Newton plenty on Monday night. The other reason that he concerns me is that he really loves to do a lot of exotic coverage rotations on the back end, which can confuse all sorts of quarterbacks not just veterans young guys of the like and even though their personnel is not necessarily the best and even though Greg Williams can sometimes get a little bit too maniacal with some of the things that he does and you know there's instances where you'll watch their tape and he'll drop a guy an outside linebacker from the line of scrimmage all the way into the deep hole as his own defender and you're like Greg what are you doing like you know like <laughs> relax cute. like you don't need to show off and flex and sit and t- tell me how great of a defensive coordinator you are by running some crazy, you He's know, crazy. <laughs> I'm crazy. Yes. Right. So just relax. Okay. At the same time, when you have a quarterback like Cam Newton, who has struggled to see the field a little bit and also doesn't have great chemistry and great rhythm with his pass catchers, you start to face a guy that's going to start to rotate a lot of things on you and change the picture on you a whole lot. It can lead to quarterbacks both making mistakes in terms of turnovers, but also in terms of holding on the football in the pocket and not really understanding what he's looking at. So those are my two major concerns on that side of the ball. I did like what the Patriots were able to do with their passing game, though, and I wanted to talk to you about this. Just the script that Josh McDaniels used against Buffalo, a lot of moving pockets, a lot of play action from shotgun or RPO type of concepts, and just doing Cam Newton type of things. But I think the question really is, and I asked McDaniels this on Tuesday, can you keep doing these things? Are these like some of the things, like some of the bootleg actions and stuff like that, are good scheme and probably sound enough to do every single week. But there were some instances there where it's really like a one-read type of throw where teams are going to start to catch on to those types of things and, and take those little things away. So how did you feel, though? Because I thought the play calling yeah. to fit Cam was really a lot better last week than what we saw against San Francisco. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it felt you know like they were getting more back to what was successful the first couple of weeks, as you mentioned, you know, with the RPOs and stuff. And, and I think that, you know it just felt like they were protecting cam a little bit more and, and, you know, seemed a little more conservative, especially some of those third down play calls, you know, with the draws. I mean, they were, they were lucky to get that one in the fourth quarter with Burkhead where he somehow, you know, managed to, to get through and, and pick up the first down that was, that was critical. But, um, you know, I think they're learning about cam. I mean, I, I think another, uh, you know, Josh McDaniel said last week was, you know, it's not going to look exactly like it did in practice. It's going to be a little bit different. And, you know, at going to what you said about Greg Williams, I mean, that's, that's all the concern, you know, that, that Cam's going to really have to process some stuff. And it's, it's, you know, it's just been jarring for me. I mean, I know you've been, you know, following this forever as well, you know, just to see how quickly Brady was able to get the ball out. And, you know, I think now it seems like, and this is probably a good question for you, um, is, you know, I, I think the reliance on play action, it really, it kind of slows down some of the process with those quick passes. And I noticed, you know, Bird is open sometimes off the line, a you know, quick slant. I mean, all they seem to want to throw him are comebacks or goes. You know, but but it seems like there are plays there if if it could just kind of trust it. So, I mean, Cam, I think with the dump off passes last week, you know, being safe with the ball right down to that last turnover, I think that's the biggest thing. And, you know, if they can kind of build off of that, as Josh talked about yesterday, uh, and, and just eliminate the mistakes. I mean, for you know, they, they always ask us, what's your key for this week? I'm, I'm, I'm going on three weeks in a row. And I'm like, just don't turn it over. You know, just don't right. beat yourself. We've heard that a hundred times from Belichick. You know, the first thing you got to do is not beat yourself. And, and it's hard to say in, in a lot of these games that they've lost that, they, that they've really beaten themselves and haven't given them a chance. 
Yeah, and the thing about Brady, and I think that, you know, as a, a younger a younger buck, I, I haven't seen, you know, a lot of other Patriots quarterbacks in my time. So I was so used to watching one quarterback, and you do, you take yeah. it for granted. You know, you, you don't realize, like, oh, my God, like, how quickly he gets through a progression is absolutely insane. It's yeah. insane. When you get a quarterback like Cam Newton, who, no offense to Cam, he's a <laughs> great talent in his own right, it's just such a stark difference when you look at how quickly and I was watching that uh, Bucks game on Monday night as I'm sure a lot of Patriots fans were and Tom Brady took them down the field on a touchdown drive where it was all checkdowns it was yeah. all it was just you know one two three check down one two three check down and I'm thinking to myself like if Cam could just just do this and and not worry about holding the ball to push it down the field all the time and just take the six or seven yards at a time. Listen, if it's first and ten and you get seven yards from your check down out of your running back on first and ten, that's a win for the offense. You're wow. you're staying ahead of the chains. You're putting yourself in favorable down and distance second and third down. And that's what Brady does so much better than I think anybody has ever given him credit for. And, you know, we talk about, you know, some some of the other things with Brady, like the intangibles and the clutch gene and all that kind of stuff. And I think a lot of people bring that up in terms of, well, the Patriots are 0-3 in close games this year, and they've had three game-winning drives and come up short all three times. And if the Patriots had Brady, then they would have won those games and things like that. And that's definitely true. But watching how quickly Brady gets down to those check down receivers and watching Cam struggle with that exact thing. And the thing you mentioned about uh, those kind of long drawn out play actions with Newton, I think is a great point. Every single time I I have seen him turn run an under center play action concept where he has to turn Mm -hmm. his back to the defense and then kind of re you know configure his mind once he turns back and looks at the defense and then he has to see where everybody is going. If you're going to run those types of concepts when you turn your back up from under center and you pop back up as the quarterback, if you're running a crossing route behind the linebackers or a seam up the uh, up the middle or a little quick post or something like that, that ball's got to come out because those linebackers, as soon as he pops back up and has the ball in his hand still, they just drop right into those passing lanes. Brady was so good at not only the fake, but once he popped back up, Boom, it was out like a, like a rocket ship, right? And with Cam, that little hesitancy is all it takes in the league to have those linebackers go from out of the play and inserting themselves into the run to being in the passing lane. So what I really liked about McDaniels' game script and, and the way he called that game was when they went to play action, for the most part, it was either bootleg or it was from shotgun. So it wasn't just Cam turning his back. And when you watch him run it from shotgun, like that Demir Bird crosser that he hit later in the game, that was a shotgun play action play. And you see how much easier it is for Cam to process the field when he's staring right at those linebackers and he's holding them in the in the run with the fake. And you can see that he's looking right at them. So he doesn't have that moment of hesitancy because of his back being turned to the defense. So I think that's a really big part of it. On the offensive side of the ball for the Jets, I was just watching that first half against Kansas City on the coach's tape, and you're so right that they looked fine for a couple of series there offensively. And the one thing that really scares me is they're a very heavy outside zone team, and the Patriots have struggled mightily with stopping outside zone. And they got a left tackle, rookie left tackle, and Makai Becton, who is basically like, for Patriots fans that don't know Becton or or haven't followed him, he's like Trent Brown but more athletic. You know, this guy is 
absolute mountain of a man, but he can really move and he's got great feet. And he's honestly, uh, he's the best player on the Jets roster already. And he's played eight games in the league and he's might be one of the best offensive linemen and the best player at his position in maybe, you know, two or three seasons down the road. They got an absolute stud in Makai Becton in the draft last year. And the Patriots have really struggled with stopping outside zone, in particular to the strong side of the formation where that tight end can kind of chip John Simon and get him turned inside because for one, they haven't really set the edge particularly well. And for two, when they do set the edge and that bounces that run back up the middle, Jawan Bentley has not made the tackle. So that's been a big struggle for them. Uh, they've given up 5.8 yards per carry against outside zone this year, which is obviously not very good. And then you start to integrate the play action off of those types of concepts. So I think there is a game script if Gase is smart enough to realize these weaknesses. There is a, a script for them to make, especially on that opening couple of series, where they could give the Patriots defense some problems with kind of like San Francisco Buffalo style schemes where they're running a lot of outside zone and a lot of hard play action off of that yeah I mean it's it's not hard I mean we we watched we've we've watched the Patriots get run over by that one all season long yeah Um, you know it's and 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 you feel bad I mean I I I did like Juwan Bentley you know the first couple years thought he showed some I just feel like he's being overused right now and they're just asking so much of him um you know and and it, it doesn't help that you've got you know Nick Thurman a practice squad guy who, you know, is just getting called up. I mean, that's that was my biggest, you know, thing this offseason was that, you know, everyone made fun of me that I wanted front seven guys. I wanted to, you know, and, and I feel like as much as, you know, some people say, oh, well, teams can run all over you, but they got to score points and it's not the end of the world. But it's like, I also just think that your front seven is your team's personality. And, you know, when they're getting pushed around, I mean, those, those the first drive of the first half and the first drive of the second half last week, against against the bills where you know they just took it to them they had no you know physicality i I think i I believe you post actually like what their missed tackle rate is this year i mean it's just it's not patriots football it's not what we're used to seeing in in any way uh you know you wonder what lawrence guy's situation is i mean i think that that's a huge one um you know but i also just think they're so light at linebacker and they're trying to play safeties in this linebacker role and i love adrian phillips i think that you know he's he's a dynamite player i think of all the you know Everything they've done this offseason, I think he's one that just, wow, he fits. I love listening to him talk, giving you insight yeah. about the defense he's and everything. Totally. Uh, you know, so I don't I, I don't want to kill him. I just feel like the guy's not an inside linebacker. You know, we're playing him, trying to have him take on guards and tackles. And, you know, he just can't get through there all the time. So it's tough. They're limited by personnel right now, and you're totally right. And that's why, you know, I brought up Gore and Pirine. I feel like those are the guys, you know, just pound the Patriots until they can stop it, until, you know, they're able to set the edge. Against those zone runs, I mean, it's just it, – it hasn't been pretty at all. Guys are finding big yards, and, and what's making it worse is they're not tackling, and they're getting even more yards after that. So it's going to take a resurgent effort from the defense, no question. Yeah, and, you know, you mentioned uh, that people kind of make a lot to do about the run game not necessarily mattering on the scoreboard. I think the biggest thing is is that – I'm one of those people that will tell you the analytics will say, you know, if you give up running yards, it's not that big of a deal. The issue is, though, is that the Patriots are getting so gashed on first and second down that they're not getting into those passing situations where they can start dialing up the different things. They're good on third down. (laughs) Right. They're down. They're really good, especially third and medium and longer, you know, kind of third and plus. 
they are one of the best teams in the league at that. They're only allowing about a 23% success rate on third and longer, uh, third and four or longer. But the problem is, is that they're not getting into third and four or longer enough because of what they're doing on first and second down. So that's sort of the cause and effect is that, yes, maybe the running yards are not adding up to, you know, great points for offenses on the scoreboard. But what it's doing is it's not allowing the Patriots to get into negative play situations because when they get onto third down, they have five interceptions on third down already this year, which is tie, uh, second most in the league. Only Indianapolis has more. And they're very good, like I just mentioned, when they get favorable down and distances on third down. You know, that's when they can start running like their, their cover one double robber. Or they can start bringing their blitzing packages and stuff like that is when you get them into third and eight, third and nine. But if you never get there, then you can't really do that, play that style of defense. So that's the biggest concern I have. You know, I watched about five minutes of that. The Jets before we started recording, and Makai Becton already threw Frank Clark on the ground, and I'm just thinking, if he can throw Frank Clark on the ground, he's probably going to throw John Simon on the ground just as easily as that, both 55s. Not and today. That, that's not, you know, I, I feel for, I feel for, mainly I feel for Bentley, because like you said, I, I just... This is not his role. His role yeah. was Landon Roberts' role last year as kind of that second fiddle to Dante Hightower. And I think the things that Belichick, I wrote about this also yesterday, is the things that Belichick said about the salary cap and the opt-outs that everybody kind of took his excuse-making and stuff like that. Bentley's the guy you got to look at because he was not supposed to be playing 90% of the snaps in all these personnel groupings. And when I asked Belichick about him, you know, I phrased the question very open-ended so that Belichick didn't have to publicly, you know, crap on a player that wasn't playing well. And what he said to me was, well, Jawan's been playing a lot and he's got a lot, basically he's got a lot on his plate as if to say, hey, like, don't pick on this guy because we're asking him to do things that he's not equipped to do. It's not his fault. This is a personnel shortcoming and we're putting a player in a position not to succeed, which is definitely unpatriot-like. So they're going to have to get better against the edge because I'm sure the Jets are going to attack it at will. They're going to have to be better against play action and uh, more Uche, please. Just, just <laughs> yeah. let, let Uche play. Uh, hopefully they can get something and have something with him because I think we saw, uh, you know, you were out of camp and, and he did make some plays at camp uh, on it, especially uh, I would say in, in uh, rushing the passer uh, in, in training camp. But then this week or this past week, we saw a little bit more in coverage and things like that. So maybe he's the cure of all ills. You know, maybe he's the guy that can sort to cut into Bentley's workload and and be that athletic player at the second level that they don't have right now. I would love it. I mean, you know, like you said, I mean, didn't get a lot of action, but I mean, just that, you know, open field tackle of Josh Allen. I mean, we saw Phillips kind of get lost on that one. He made that tackle and then, you know, just showing good speed. And I think that's what they need. You know, when we were going into the draft and, you know, looking at guys like Patrick Queen being like, you know, this is what modern defenses yeah. need. You need someone with range in the middle who can make plays. And, and, you know, for whatever reason, they seem to kind of continually go to those old three, four linebacker body types that, you know, six, four, two fifty. Um, I, I don't know. It's just, it, we've talked a lot about it on the radio this week of just, you know, how the Patriots are approaching kind of modern football versus where it seems like the league's kind of going towards college and the Patriots are continuing to draft old school NFL, big, tough guys. And, you know, it's not working out all the time, but I, I'd love to see Uche out there, you know, to get some more speed. And, and at this point, all those young guys, you know, Dalton Keene, so disappointing that, you know, came in, got hurt, you know, Asiasi going on IR. It's just at this point, the more young guys, the better. Get them experience, you know, and see what you got. Figure out what that next core is going to be. I, I know I'm maybe a little bit crazy on Uche, but I just, I don't know. I feel like that could really 
fix a lot of their issues that they're having with Bentley and in the middle of the defense. And if you can get into packages where you're able to play Bentley and Uche at the same time off the ball, I think their run defense could really improve a lot if Uche's up for the task. If he's mentally ready to handle that type of responsibility, then having Bentley in there with Uche at 245, and obviously Bentley's that thumper, instead of Adrian Phillips and Bentley is a pretty big difference on first down. So I'm hoping that that's where we're headed. Uh, Mike, I really appreciate you doing this uh, from the Patriots uh, parking lot at Gillette Stadium. <laughs> I know you, you're you going in there to, to do some work and, and spy on Devin Asiasi's uh, injury for us as well. But is, is there anything you want to tease on Patriots.com? I know you guys just like produce so much I know. Well, part of it, part of a good team and, and, you know, we're all, we're all pulling. So, uh, yeah, it was funny. John Simon actually drove by while we were talking about him. So that was a little bit bizarre, but, um, but no, you know, otherwise just, just doing the old writing and, uh, you know, breaking down everything, trying to figure out, you know, how they can, where they go from here. But, uh, you know, like you said earlier though, I, I, I'm, I'm still excited about this season. I'm still encouraged to see them compete. And, and I think they're going to give a lot of these teams down the road a hard time. You know, regardless of what they have personnel wise, they're just they're that well coached. They'll progress. They'll get over that kind of hump they had with the covid thing that that knocked them out for a couple of weeks. And I think we'll see a better effort this weekend. That's what I'm saying. They got Bill Belichick. And when you got a bill, there's a way. And I just I feel like any other team would roll over at this point. But I don't think Bill Belichick is going to let his squad do that. So uh, when they we wake up in you know late December and they have a meaningful week 17 game, just you, you heard it here on Patriots Speed first from the, the, the two. Pat's uh, <laughs> right? You know? Yeah. But, uh, all right, uh, Mike, I really appreciate you doing this. Uh, we're going to be wall-to-wall coverage on Monday night, per usual, on clnsmedia.com. We'll have pregame, postgame, the works there. Uh, you can read all my stuff on clnsmedia.com. You can read all of Mike's stuff, if you don't already, on patriots.com. That one's that one's definitely easier to find. <laughs> so make sure you go ahead and, uh, and click there as well. But thank you very much, Mike, again. I guess Mike DeSalt. And thank you very much for listening.